I mean, pirates, murder, murder. familial parental love. Aww. Welcome back to another episode of Also Also. We are your hosts. I'm Lainey. That's Mara. Hello. Um, today we are here to today, whatever, tonight. Who cares what time it is? At this time. <laughs> <laughs> we are here to discuss, as promised, the first books of our book challenge in the year of twenty twenty three. In the year of our Lord uh, and Savior, twenty twenty three. Is twenty twenty three our Lord and Savior? Um no, that's how you say it. You say in the year of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, 2023. But I skipped the Jesus Christ part. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> As one does. <laughs> anyway. I normally add in some random person. Right. It's usually Taylor Swift. Before we get into the books, okay, speaking of New Year, I was having, I was having this thought today while I was at work because I was bored out of my mind. And I was like, why is a New Year, like... Even though it's my favorite holiday, like, why is that a holiday? Like, technically, yeah, it's a new year. But, like, I was sitting there and I was like, I don't feel like it's a new year. It doesn't feel like there was some big revelation. And I'm like, oh, it's a new year again. It's January. Wouldn't everyone have their own new year? Isn't your birthday, like, your own personal new year? Because that's the new year for you. Hey, lady. What? Time is a man-made construct. I know it bothers <laughs> me. I'm so confused. But no, in my head, that makes more sense. And so now I'm not going to, because I've never been like, ooh, my birthday. I'm not going to look at it as my birthday. That's my new year. So you just moved your favorite holiday to your birthday? Yeah. Now my birthday is my favorite holiday. Okay. Wow. <laughs> that sounds really shallow. I don't care. No, to me, it just makes more sense. Like, it's not a new year for everybody. It hasn't made it to a full new year for me. It's just a new year in this, you know, solar system and the thing that we call time that makes no sense. It doesn't make sense. Someone made it up and it doesn't all fit together. Leap years? No, they're just like, ah, uh, throw some numbers in there. Yeah, that makes sense. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Also, different places have different new years. So like, no, it just doesn't make sense. Okay. <laughs> your birthday is your new year because I have not yet been here for 24 years. So on my birthday, it'll be my new year because that's my 24th new year. Lainey. What? You turned 26. I am the dumbest <laughs> kid in school. <laughs> I was just thinking about how you said it was 2023. <laughs> it's okay. Ashley today was like, when I'm, I'm 36. Da, 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 and she went, oh, I'm already 37. <laughs> oh my God. She said sometimes I forget. <laughs> I fucking can't. You know, it happens oh, to the Jesus. best of us. It's fine. I was working on my book journal and I was like, what gear do I put for this like book list, like this packing, like this, like this, you know, course book list for my Harry Potter theme? Mm -hmm. Because I'm not like I'm I'm too old to still be at Hogwarts, obviously. <laughs> um, And then I thought, OK, well, I'll just do like my year minus or my age minus 10. And then I thought about it and went. I'm too old for that even. That's disgusting. I'm 28. I can't even be like, are you kidding me? Disgusting. Disgusting. I'm what so, I don't know. I've just been saying it a lot. Me too. <laughs> but I'm livid. I was real, I, I was oh real gosh, perturbed wait. about that. Math. No. 
No, I'm, I'm trying to. Th- no, I I would not still. I would not be too old ten years ago to still be at Hogwarts. No, you'd you literally wouldn't even Suck be in that. your sixth year yet. Oh my god, I'm a baby. You are a baby. I'm like this big. You're this big. As baby. <laughs> <laughs> I promise we're sober. Yeah. Sadly, <laughs> no, not sadly. No, I'm comfortable being sober. I'm uncomfortable with the stomach ache I have from the mashed potatoes that she, I ate. She did decide to pull over the floor poof and lay on it because uh, it was more comfortable. <laughs> this episode is being brought to you by the floor. <laughs> I'm a floor girl from the floor. She's a floor yeah, from girl. The floor. <laughs> okay, yeah, because I does a lot of floor work. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, but I was. The when I first started watching, like when I first got on TikTok and started watching them, everyone was like, "Everybody talks about the horse girls, but no one ever talks about the floor girls, <laughs> the girls that are just like content to sit on the floor. Like you offer them a seat on the couch, and like, no, I'm good, I'm on the floor, and it's like, that's me. Could not be. I, I mean, I only sit on the floor if there's no space to sit in the living room, or I need to lay down because you refuse to let me lay down on the couch because you're laying down on the couch." Or this is why we need a sectional. When, I know. Or when I am like having an existential crisis and I just need to like be close to the ground. I thought you said existential crisis. <laughs> An existential crisis. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's going to be your birthday card next year for me. It's just, I'm going to make you eggs. And I'm going to give you a birthday card that has little hard boiled eggs with little smiley faces. And it says, let's have an existential crisis for your 29th year. <laughs> your BFF said, uh, I can't wait for Lainey to start working here. And I'm going to... Uh, the minute she like you need to let me know the day she starts working because I'm just gonna be like hi we're best friends you don't know me but we're best friends and I was like Lauren I tell her all the time that I you know guys she's are best, best friends friend. also I too would like to know my first day there <laughs> yeah wouldn't we all and then I said something about going home I was talking about coming home for some reason and she was like yeah we'll just go get Lainey we'll just have a little menti bee because I just need to have a little menti bee and I was like it's the second of the year can we not be having menti bees already oh, I sure had a menti but bee. I have been in one all day y'all you want to hear something that caused the first menti bee of the year no and one of the reasons that I have to leave my job you've already These talked people- about work oh, hold on last thing these people have decided that it's the second of the year it's 7 a.m. in the morning, and they're going to send down and say, hey, you've already spent 24 hours of vacation in the year of 2023, so you have to pay us back for 24 hours of vacation. Bitch, there haven't even been but barely 24 hours in the year already. Oh, that's what they're saying? I thought they were saying you'd spent like an extra 24 hours of vacation in 2022, and so you ha- you owed them back, they, and they were trying to take it out of this paycheck. can't work that way. That's what I thought. So they're saying that my accrual for 2023 is that I spent that. How? That's why we are confused. You had one day off and it was a scheduled day off. I know. What the fuck? (laughs) They're trying to steal my money. Isn't everybody trying to steal your money? Everyone's trying to spend it or steal it. That's for damn sure. (laughs) Including yourself. Yeah. Don't lie. Come on. Oh, we have to order the kids' presents tonight. Don't let us forget to do that. Hey, I got us in here to record. You're on the present train. I know. I'm sorry. I got distraught. What's new? I I really feel like I didn't take my Adderall today. I feel like you didn't either because you didn't quite finish it. No, my brain has not been all there. So then I sat sat there at work today. I did something. I don't even remember what. And I went, did I fucking take my Adderall? I sat there for five minutes going. (laughs) And just like, 
I could not remember. I'm like five thousand. I know for a fact I did because I took it with my Coke this morning, but I had just woken up and I was like, Ugh, Coke in the morning. That's not fun. No. And then I uh, ate um, a peanut butter cup to try. Oh my God. <laughs> the taste out of my mouth. Breakfast of champions I there. came back and ate a bowl of Ray Bray. Ray it's Br- crunchy Ray Bray. My crunchy I Ray Bray. have been so good. You're going to be so proud of me. The last three days in a row, I have not skipped a single medication. Oh my gosh. I am so proud of I've you. I've never been more healthy in my life. <laughs> <laughs> new year, new me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my, oh my gosh. I haven't skipped a single medication in the new year. <laughs> I know that it's two days in and that th- and I, it hasn't even reached the night time yet, but... That's a big accomplishment. For <laughs> I'm me. gonna pee my pants. That's too funny. <laughs> anyway, anyway, okay, let's get on with tonight's program. Yeah, back to the show. So, we did a read in yesterday, the first of the year, and we've never done a read in before. It was a lot more it fun than I worst. thought it would be. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. I enjoyed it. Mara was like, "Let's take a break. Let's take a break." I could not. I I couldn't. Like, I don't mind sitting down and reading, and I'm I do. Jeez. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and I used to do that so often as a kid, just sit down and like do nothing but finish a book. And I feel like I could still do that. The problem here was that I knew that's what I was trying it's to the do. Pressure. And so I kept thinking, oh, but I want to do this. And oh, but I want to do this. And like, I can't, there are so many things I want to do in a day and it can't fit it all into one day. And it's stressful to me. So then I was like, no, nope, I need a break every two seconds. No, I was so comfy cozy yesterday. I was like, I could, I could sit here and read the whole time. And I did. Um, I unfortunately left 70 pages of my book last night for today because I chose a book that was nine pages from 500 and uh, that was a little much for me. That's okay. And maybe it was nine pages from 400? Yes, no. it was. Yep, 391. Oh We've already Guys, talked about this. it took me this. forever. First of all, there are so many Greek names. I cannot be held accountable because I pronounce them differently every time <laughs> they showed up in this I book and that. I was like, one of them has to be right, right? <laughs> There's a few names I knew how to pronounce. Orestes, Electra, that was an easy one. I really um, hope someone Agamemnon. comes at you and is like, that's not how you pronounce Orestes. It's Orestes. Orestes? Orestes. I did get Telemachus's name. According to Google, you pronounce it Telemachus. So I I wasn't trying to pronounce sure. it. Why are you oh, telling me like Penelope that? was easy. Well, that's Odysseus. Good. Um, hold on, there are more. You got I mean you got Patroclus and Helen. Patroclus and was mentioned uh, once. Achilles was mentioned a lot. I fucking said Patroclus, didn't yes, I? Yes, you did. <laughs> it's been a while. There were Athena, Artemis, Hera, Hera, Zeus, Zeus Poseidon, Hermes, Apollo. So, you know, the ones you normally say on yeah, a daily basis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but see, like, Clytomen, Clytomen, Clytomemnon? No. <laughs> no, Agamemnon's wife. Clytomen. Hold on, I have a. Clytemnestra. <laughs> Dang. It was hard. And then her her cousins are, her sister, I think, is Helen, and her cousin is Penelope. And are it's they like, possibly sister what? cousins? No. Oh my gosh, guys. Don't read this book if you never want to be scarred having to read the phrase brother husband and husband brother multiple times that's so funny that's so gross also laney and i were reading yesterday and literally for both of us two pages in um (laughs) was it just me crying or were we both crying it was just you i only cried once during this book and it was tonight 
Right. But there was a murder for both of us. Murder. Within the first couple of pages. <laughs> so, was. yeah. I mean, literally, I don't even, th- it was like a page and a half. And I was already like down for the count. <laughs> I was tears in my eyes. I was ready to quit. To be I fair. Couldn't do it. I did read a book based on a Greek tragedy. There was a lot of murder. I did not. All right. So, um, we will explain a bit about our books and then we'll go into kind of like a, not necessarily Q&A, like a summary, and then... I'm just going to talk about the damn book. Yeah, just talk about your book. You you want me to go first? Yeah. Okay. So I read Ithaca by Claire North. Um, I picked this up because I've been, since reading Song of Achilles, and the fact that I'm like a Greek mythology, I want to say snob because I love it, but I am not well versed in all of it, obviously, because I can't pronounce anything, but um, since reading Song of Achilles... I have been really interested in the story of Odysseus. I picked this up thinking definitely Odysseus was going to come in at some point. Now. Now. Not at all. I mean, that he's mentioned. But, like, in passing. It was really just the story of, like, Penelope and the suitors and how she ran Ithaca and, like, how it was, like, basically, like, they were always on the cusp of, like, dying terrible deaths as Madon would say aren't we all Medon Medon I feel like Medon sounds better um but it was actually really interesting it was a lot more political than I thought it would be when a little drab the end of it got a lot better um I would say from this book it was good I would recommend it to a certain type of person not being me no Mara cannot <laughs> well mostly because I mean Mara's if you ever watch a war movie with Mara or a movie that has anything to do with politics she just looks at you like I've never heard words in my it life straight over my head <laughs> it used to happen with the Avengers I there's oh just gosh. something about like anybody saying one word that is not in my like n- daily repertoire and I lose all consciousness. I'm just like, huh? She is. It's like, do you know, do you know how many times <laughs> I have had to watch the Marvel movies to understand the full concept? I don't, I don't even know what happens with age of Ultron. Like what the fuck is that about? <laughs> and I still don't, I nope. See, I've confused myself. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so that's like the biggest reason, but the other one is that, and I will say this for anyone, um, Song of Achilles, trigger warning for sexual assault and rape. But Song of Achilles hints at that and it does go into a little bit of that. But this book has very graphic depictions of it. And then a very graphic depiction of like sexual humiliation, which honestly made me so sick. And it made me want to stop reading the book. So if that's something that triggers you or that you are uncomfortable reading, by all means, do not pick this book up. It's not going to be okay with you, especially because those points go... Those points in the book have very important parts of the story, like, entwined into them. Lainey refuses so. to just, like, put pieces of paper on them to tell me not to read those parts and then summarize what I need to know from those parts. She says it's not good enough and I'm still not allowed to read it. It's not, because I feel like you won't get, like, the rage that comes that you need to have with I don't it. know what you're talking about. I am um. filled with the rage of every woman ever. <laughs> I know. I know you are. At all times. Um, And well, I will never read this book again. I don't think. Which I know I said was Hong of Achilles. And I have been itching to read it again. But also putting it off. <laughs> because I want to cry. Because it's like heartbreaking. Like I could not. This one. 
I don't think I will read again specifically for the fact that it that I didn't root for anyone. There was no character to root for, which on one hand I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like every character had faults. But at the same time, if you don't have anyone to root for and you don't feel like anyone is good enough to be like, yes, at least this person can win. Like I, uh, no, the one person that I liked the most, two people I liked the most, one of them didn't talk and the other one really had nothing to do with this. So it was frustrating to me that there was no one to root for. I think if it was a book that I hadn't read in one sitting, I probably would not have gotten through it. <laughs> um, but the themes of the book one I took away the most, which is probably not the one anyone took away the most, is motherly love. Um, specifically because Penelope loves Telemachus and he's like become, like come to the age of being a man, but yet they live on Ithaca where there are no men. There's like old people or, you know, people his age or younger, like all of the men of fighting age and like childbearing years were shipped off to Troy and never made it back you know, with Odysseus. So it's just Telemachus was really robbed of like childhood and becoming a man and like learning those things. Um, and Penelope isn't able to give that to him, obviously, because she's a woman. Not that the story is like, oh, she's a woman, she's weak. This story is very much so about like female empowerment, which there are times when I really enjoy that, but it was almost like a cookie cutter female empowerment. Like you had to be ruthless. You had to do anything like the ends justified the means you put queenhood and like all the stuff above like motherhood and stuff like that. And basically if you were domestic at all, it was almost looked down upon by the narrator. Um, this book was narrated by Hera, which was an interesting choice. Um, and it actually, I hate Hera, but it made me like Hera. That kind of makes no sense, though, because, like, while I understand that she's, she is, like, the goddess of, like, she's the goddess of, like, of motherhood. Motherhood, right. She's, so it's weird that she would, like, be looking down on that. She's the goddess of, like, women, motherhood, and queens. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, wives. Like. Marriage, right? Marriage, yeah. And, but what she values most is them being a queen which is why like it starts off with her watching Penelope because they're only like the theme the thing that she focuses on is like there are three Grecian queens and they're all gonna die and there will never be more uh there's Helen who ran away and she looks down on her for having run away to Paris and then she becomes like this shell of a woman um there's Clytemnestra who she reveres and is her favorite she says I love her best because she put being a queen above being a mother to her kids while Agamemnon was away. And she did what she wanted in like terms of her life. Because obviously Agamemnon was terrible and killed her baby. But she revered her because she decided to rule while Agamemnon was away. And that wasn't actually okay. And she looks down upon Penelope for a while. Because Penelope... While very much so in the background and like very secretive, runs Ithaca and keeps the balance and is so smart and strategic. But she looks down on her for being like meek and not making bold moves. The first time she's really like, oh yeah, I see that you are a queen that I can really care for 
is when she sells her cousin Clytemnestra out because it's the only way to really save Greece. And it's like, I don't, I don't like the theme that women can't be all different types of women. Female empowerment is not just about being ruthless. Female empowerment is about be who you want to be. And like each version of that is just as powerful and just as good as the la- the next. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I would have expected that point of view more from Athena or Artemis. You look so bored over there. <laughs> no, I'm just sitting here. Oh. Trying to think if there was another theme to it that I really got. Um, maybe not so much. I feel like it was there and now it's just gone. Um another another problem I have with this book, and I realized it more towards the end. Like there weren't a lot of them at the beginning. There were a lot of editing typos towards like the end of the middle and then towards the end. A lot of switching pronouns. Um Sometimes there were just like a doubled word, like it would say and, and then like a word and then where and was actually supposed to be, it would say it again. And I just, it's really frustrating to me because I like stumble on it and then I feel like I lose it. And I know that that sounds nitpicky, but like I, oh my gosh, this is going to sound real high and mighty. But when I read a book, I expect there not to be a bunch of typos. Um, I mean, but that's why it goes through editors and stuff. Like, there aren't supposed right. to be a bunch of typos. Um, uh, Another thing th- that I didn't like about the writing style. So, you know how, like, every now and then it'll be like... Like, f- for instance, there's a part in there where they say mercy, mercy, mercy. Like, they th- say it thrice. And it's supposed to be, like, a powerful thing. It's supposed to get the point across so you don't use it a lot. It's used, like, on every page in this book. And it really bothered me. It was like, if you make everything that important and that pointed, nothing feels important. And it just feels like you're doing it because you were like, needing to put words in there. <laughs> um, I Oh my god, I sound like I'm just like bashing on this book. I did enjoy it. There was, with Hera, and I get that she herself is like the goddess of marriage and like a sexual being. But I think one of my least favorite things about this book was that we, in the form of women have to be a certain way, it was Hera looked down on Athena and Artemis and it was pointed out that they also had urges and that they should follow them and that they too were attracted to men and women and maybe in secret, you know, had sexual encounters. And it's like, no, Athena chose to be a virgin forever because she chose that she is more mind over anything else and then artemis has a very specific reason for not wanting to be a sexual being and i don't like that we were like oh because you're a woman or you're any sort of humanoid thing you have to be a sexual being like there are plenty of people who are not you know and i didn't like that we had to be like and everyone is no matter what especially because they're goddesses like they're not mortals. They're supposed to be able to stand for anything and be any way they want. They're supposed to be abstract. Like, to strip that down and be like, oh, but everyone's basically human. Everyone has these urges. It was really frustrating to me. But in the grand scheme of all of this, do you think that maybe it was the author choosing to make 
Hera maybe an unreliable and kind of embittered or judgmental narrator? Like, do you think it was more of a, a conscious choice or do you think that she was just using Hera as kind of a like a mouthpiece for herself? I think she was using Hera more there as like a mouthpiece for herself because there are plenty of times where Hera points out how frustrated she is at like being wrong or the things going on that she doesn't understand. And like it talks about how the gods can like like they'll flip from image to image of people around the world. And so it's like they know the truth no matter what. So it was it just seemed like like she was frustrated about the fact that they hid that from people. It wasn't like, oh, I think they're like this. It was like calling it out. And that was a fact. You know what I mean? Hmm. Interesting. And I also think Hera herself as a goddess. A wouldn't care and wouldn't call that out. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Interesting. I just really like the concept of unreliable narrators. I do too. Um, But I wouldn't say she was because there's like the point where she has to work with Artemis and Athena and that like she and Athena, Athena's like Telemachus is mine. That's my price for, you know, this going on. And she's like, okay, I'll give that to you. And then at one point Athena's like, why did you just stand by and let them kill Clytemnestra? Like, even though she like held her hand the whole time, basically. And she was like, because Penelope made her first decision as a queen and because there wasn't anything to do about it. So, like, she clearly knows the limits and stuff. She, like, they're pretty all-knowing. So, it was just frustrating to me. Um, and there was, like, with Hera's internal thoughts or when she was talking to the other goddesses. Like, the characters from Ithaca and all that. Like, they spoke kind of like how they would have back then obviously not quite like that but it was like old-timey speech it had you know the phrasing was different but when Hera had internal thought or was talking to the other goddesses it very much turned into um modern day speech and modern day slander and I didn't like that it put it out of place for me interesting that was one of the questions I had while you were reading it especially since I won't be reading it is the writing style a lot like Song of Achilles in the sense that like it feels a little more classic, a little more old school, or is it very like I am telling a story about the past, but I am using like our known language for it? It felt a lot more like Song of Achilles when she was talking through the other characters, but like I said, internal monologue, even with some of the characters, it would go like, oh, you bitch and stuff like that. And it's like, no, and yeah, it would make more <laughs> sense if, like, Hera was telling it past tense, like, this is the story, and this is what I thought in that moment. But, like, she's telling it in present time, like, as if that's the present. So it really put it out of place for me. I think if you're going to stick with one, you know, speech pattern, you should stick with it all the way through. Yeah. It just felt very, like, disconnected from the gods and goddesses. Mm-hmm. Uh I'm over all the Greek names. That was one of my notes. <laughs> oh my gosh. They're so, and they were she like t- everywhere. Like every time. So occasionally we'd be like, oh, how far are you in your book? Because mine was maybe, I think mine was like 312 pages. So it was roughly like 80 pages shorter than yours. And we were like, we would, so we would sit there and check and be like, oh, what page are you at? You know, like how much further do you have? Yada, yada, yada. 
And to be fair, my book is probably a good half an inch, like smaller than like shorter than Lainey's. And so like the font is pretty much the same. So I feel like her, her book had a little bit more lengthwise as well as like also having more pages, but she'd just be like, it's the Greek names. That's why I'm further behind. Dude, I would, I would spend so long. Like I, I want to say one, but I've said it so many different ways and none of them are right. So I can't like, I don't remember. There's a lot of A's and E's and G's and T's and H's and a P. <laughs> they don't go together. It's so confusing. Yeah, I have no idea who you're talking about. But um, Minta. Minta was an easy one for me. There's, I'm pretty sure Andremon. It's, it looks like it's spelled like Andre and then Mon. So I say Andremon. Okay. <laughs> I think that sounds right. <laughs> but anyway. I digress. Um, some of the things I liked about the book, because I feel like I should, <laughs> I, should, I should now point out the good parts. Um, I did like that it did read a lot like historical fiction. Um, as much as I was looking for something like Song of Achilles, this is definitely more what I tend to go towards. Uh, interestingly enough to me, and I don't know if it's just because they didn't feel... But Orestes was. I don't know. It's not that they weren't pivotal to the plot. Because, like, Ketamon trained Telemachus. And Orestes was Agamemnon's successor and the cousin of Penelope and Odysseus. And he became the next great Greek king because his dad was the king of the Greeks, basically. And, you know, he was in this struggle of my mom killed my dad. I have to kill my mom or I can't claim the throne. And if I don't claim the throne, then my uncle kills me and sells my sister. But I love my mom and I don't want to kill her. Because then if I kill my mom, I'm looked down upon for matricide. And I'll basically be haunted and I'll have a hard time proving myself as like a king. That all just hurt my head like a lot. Yeah. See, in this, I'm now breaking this down in my head. Maybe this is why Orestes doesn't speak. Like in the book, he's always quiet. Mm-hmm. He is always with his sister. They're very close, clearly. And like he has a hard time sleeping. He doesn't eat. He forgets to eat. So she has to feed him and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, yeah. You know, we don't get any internal thought from him or anything like that. So it's just, he seems so meager. But at the end of the day, I feel like the story is a lot about him because mm-hmm. without Orestes and Electra and them having come to Ithaca, Penelope and the suitors, like they, she would have either been forced into marrying one of them or they would have killed her in Telemachus and claimed the throne and stuff like that without the protection that randomly came from Orestes. And yet with them and her hiding her cousin, Clytemnestra, whatever. You know, it was like they were going to kill Penelope if they found out. Electra Dunbin knew, though. Electra Dunbin knew. <laughs> that girl knew everything. I didn't like her. I'm not going to lie. I respected lie. her. You say Electra, and I immediately think of Jennifer Garner. That's fine because I love Jennifer Garner. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, she was. I don't want to say she was a female Agamemnon. Her demeanor and her anger were, but like what she aspired to do was very opposite. 
to be fair because her mom was ruling while they grew up and because she had to watch her older sister be sacrificed uh she was oh is she agamemnon's daughter yes okay she's younger than orestes and so and they were both younger than iphigenia i think iphigenia r.i.p yeah r.i.p honestly oh now i'm thinking about Um, achilles (laughs) anyway uh so she always had like this difficult relationship with her mother who was the only parent she had because Agamemnon was gone for so long and her mom decided to rule which is not something that was necessarily allowed and she was very open about having a lover and Electra it talks about how like she would scream at her mom I'm not Iphigenia or whatever her name is you know and she just basically resented her for being the queen that she was because it wasn't how she thought a queen should be. And so, I don't know. She seemed like the villain for a long time. But then there's a point where the suitors are like trying to call Penelope out and are like, I'm going to murder you and your son. And Electra, little baby she is, stands up and like commands the whole room and shuts that shit down so fast. And then you realize that she's actually really smart. And then she corners, well, she doesn't corner Penelope, but they go outside and sit down. And she's like, I, I know you know where my mom is. I know my brother was sent away on an errand. I done been staying here, even though you didn't think I should, because I know you have her. And she was like, now, it's not that I want to see my mother dead. She's like, I don't care if she dies. I don't like her. But if she doesn't die, my brother will die and I will be sold. And I'm not okay with that. And she's like, now, if she does die... All it does is save Greece because then Menelaus are her uncle, but like Penelope's cousin or whatever. They're all related, guys. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. But she's like, he over time will go and take claim to the throne of Gondor. No, Mycena, Mesopotamia. Mycenae. Mycenae? Sure. Because they're Mycenaeans. I, I think it's Mycenae. Which, and she's like, and then he'll have the biggest parts of Greece. And then he can basically take Ithaca. He can take everything and he can rule Greece and he's not a good guy. So she was like, in order to basically evade all of that, my mom has to die. My brother has to be the one to kill her. And Penelope sees reason in this. <laughs> and so she's like... Okay, let's tell Clytemnestra we'll get her all dressed like a queen and we'll be like, we're shipping you off. And then she gets to there, death. And they, yeah, they do. They march her to her death. Oh my and God. And it's Penelope and Electra and Orestes and a couple of other like officials from their household standing in front of the ship. And then the people that she had as like a royal send off who were like the people who knew about it stand in a half circle behind her. She just thought they were marching with her to the ship as protection. But then she realizes. I'm in a circle. I'm going to die. And she's not even sad. She sees her kids. And while she's kind of indifferent to Electra, she sees Orestes and she's like, oh my God, thank God he looks healthy. She had been constantly asking, is he eating? Is he okay? Because Orestes was shipped off when Agamemnon left. He wouldn't let her raise him. So she he shipped him off to another Greek palace to be raised. So she only saw him very fleetingly. But she loved him so much that she was like he has to do this and I have to let him do this and I have to let him know basically it's okay because she at one point says B 
be the king I know you are. Like, kill me. And Electra helps him do it because he can't bring himself to do it. Which brings me to the part I want to read to you. Because this is why I love Orestes. He was the only character I wanted to root for. Because in this moment, it talks about mercy. And Hera is like, we should be crying mercy for him. Like, he is so torn up about this. Hold on. It's going to be a long passage. And if you want to cut it out, that's fine. Okay. I'm so sad. I know. It is horrible. This is where I cried. And also- Oh, great. So I'm going to cry. Probably. Thanks. Okay, hold on. I need I need the flashlight. I'm gonna cry working. enough about my book. So oh, that's so bright. Okay. Um. Do 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 do. So it says Clytemnestra does not flinch, not beg for mercy, nor cry out. There are tears on her face. Her breath is fast and thin, but her lips do not shake. Her back does not bend. Her eyes do not leave those of her son. Instinctively, I reach for her again, but feel at once the slap of Zeus's will upon my hand, batting it away. I rage and spit black shadows and the indignity of it. But he will have none, all the eyes of heaven fixed now upon this moment. The furies cackle beneath the earth, a rattling of claw and bone. Athena holds Telemachus's fast hands at... Telemachus fast, hands on his shoulders, that he might not blink and miss a drop of this ending. Mercy, I try to say the word to cry out to my kin. Will someone not sit? Will someone not stay Orestes' hand? Will someone not bid the Furies flee? Will someone not cry out mercy, mercy, mercy? There is a boat, there are ways to end this that do not spill a mother's blood. Set her free, set her free, mercy. Where is your mercy, you sons of Olympus? Where is your mercy, you murderous fucking bastards? They stand still, frozen, the family of Agamemnon. Electra's whole body shakes as if in her own private earthquake. Orestes' eyes are brimming red, and in that moment I see at last the boy I had not deigned to look on and realize with a jolt of horror what it is that has struck the son of, a ma- of Agam- Agamemnon so dumb. <sighs> for why look and look again and you may see that despite his blood despite the destiny wrought upon him Orestes loves his mother he loves his mother and his sister and his people he seeks to perform this duty to be a loving son a noble king and one day perhaps to be a generous husband and a father who dotes upon his offspring he has sworn that he will lift his children to the sun and cry your father loves you yes he does yes he does and he will speak honestly to his wife of his fears and his doubts and confess when he is ignorant and listen to her desires and do honor by his people and his kin. He will break the curse of the house of Atreus. He will wash away their sin by the deeds of goodness, by deeds of justice and peace. And of all of us who stand upon the shore, he is perhaps the only one for whom mercy may be muttered, for whom the word is familiar as the taste of water, the kiss of sun. Mercy, say his eyes, and mercy beats his heart, and mercy is written in every part of him. And yet he knows, he knows, he knows, he knows that for there to ever be peace in my sinny, his mother must die. It is so sad. And it says, Mercy cries his eyes, and why does no God hear him? Why are we numb to his prayers? I feel them blasted away in Poseidon's wind before they can even form, drowned out by the hammering of the approaching storm that thunders for blood. Mercy, the tip of his tongue, presses against his teeth, where he knows that he knows too that if he does this, he will never have children. If he slays his mother, the blood of Atreus will have proven itself stronger than any kindness. He would rather that curse die with him than carry on to blight another generation. Mercy beats his heart, and perhaps fi- finally Clytemnestra sees it too. Perhaps she looks into his face and sees not a prince of Greece, not even her son, but the man Orestes wants to be, for she smiles upon him and reaches up to stroke his cheek and breathes, Be brave, my king. And then it says that Electra forces him forward to kill her. And it's like he gave up. He knows that he won't have kids. He gave up the life of happiness and the life of domesticity that even though he was sent away by his father to be raised by another kingdom and abused there in the name of his father, they said, he would want us to do this to you. 
And his dad was so horrible. He still like he loves his mom. His sister's his best friend. He wants to be a good king. He wanted to fall in love and have children and let them know that he loved them and he wanted to be honest and good. And he knew that in order to be king and in order to save his people, he had to kill his mom. But he also knew that they would not look at him the same and he could not have anything he ever wanted. And it's terrible. <laughs> now I'm depressed. Um, I'm sorry that was so long and we're probably going to cut 90% of that out. But it was just so heartbreaking to read. And then his like reaction after it's done because his sister pushes him forward so that he can't stop himself. And then she lets go so he's the only one that does it. And he just sits there and is like, oh my god. Like what do I do now? And it's horrible. The poor boy. I feel so bad for him. Um, so as much as like I want to hate Electra, I do admire like her ambition. It's very refreshing. Um, thank God Agamemnon died though, and that his wife was the one that killed him because <laughs> man killed her baby and her husband. And then gave lie. her the knife as a wedding oh, present. Oh my yes. gosh, I'm still not over that. I'm so sorry. Um Agamemnon killed her husband smothered has his people smother her baby and then as a wedding present to her gave her the knife with which he killed her first husband and she took that knife and she killed him with it good for her oh also Orestes the first person he ever killed was his mom's lover because it's his duty as a king to kill the lover and kill his mom so the two people that he has ever killed by the time he becomes king are the man his mom loved and his mother Dang, that's depressing. They do, however, with Clytemnestra because everyone's like, we should cut off her head and, you know, like carry her body around town and do all these gruesome things that people used to do. And they're like, no, she was a queen. We're not doing that. And I think that they do it for the sake of Orestes. I don't think he could handle that. But it's really sad. So, like, at the end of it, um, I don't think I have too much else to say. I did... I did feel like it had very powerful moments. I did like that it told the story. I At the end of it, one of Odysseus never came. I was like, okay, no, but I do kind of like that it's like, hey, we have the story of what happens with Odysseus, but like this is how they kept it together on Ithaca, which was very interesting. And I was very surprised because I thought I was going to like Penelope, and I did. I liked Penelope a lot. But like Hera, I loved Clytemnestra best. Because at the end of the day, it talks about how much she loved her kids. Even Electra, she loved her. She, like, became indifferent to her as they got older. But she was like, she's still my kid, you know. And even though their father was horrible and they came about in horrible ways, they were still her children to her. And she did try and, like, protect them. But not coddle them. So... There is a point at the end when it's like Electra, you know, she, because Hera is like, maybe there will be another queen of Greece. Like maybe Electra will be one. And she's like, okay, I could see that. And then at the point of her death, Clymnestra's death, she says something and she's like, at least she still dies better than her daughter though. And I was like, aw. But yeah, I was really sad when she died. And the fact that she was just like, do it because I love you. Okay, maybe the theme was... Okay, no, I was right with my first... It's, it's motherly love. That's the theme. <laughs> I sobbed 
so hard. And like I said, I sobbed just for Orestes. I think that was the point of that whole thing was that this person that you hadn't had any information about really that you didn't have any like dialogue between him and anyone else or any internal monologue from him and the only person who really knew him in it was his sister and she was horrible up until now like the fact that you feel that much for what he has to go through is horrible and it makes you like the whole mercy thing like you do you just want to be like please don't make this happen to this person so I think that was like a really good bit of writing I think that's pretty much all I have to say. I feel like I talked yeah. for forever. No, you're good. Um, I will say that uh, through all of that, I'm not sure I understand the plot of the book. <laughs> <laughs> the plot? Oh my god, I left out the whole plot. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> my B, y'all, I just want to talk about what I want to talk about. <laughs> um, so, it's basically that it's been like, I think, eight years now since the ending of the Trojan War. And Odysseus still isn't back. And he's like the lost king. And all these suitors over the years have started living on Ithaca. um, Trying to like win Penelope's hand. And she's in this place of if I marry one of them, I condemn my husband. So therefore my son will have to murder me just like Orestes does his mom. And she's like, but whoever I marry because my son is not their son and he's no longer the prince they will kill him or send him away on a quest that would kill him. And so she's stuck in that place of like lose, lose basically. And so she's like come up with this plan that she weaves Laertes um, funeral shroud, which is Odysseus's father. And she's like, when I'm done, I'll choose a suitor. And she basically like undoes it every night (laughs) and she's really terrible at it. And so these suitors are all like fighting for her hand, but then all of a sudden at the full moon, there start becoming these raids by pirates. And one of them happens on just like a smuggler island with a lot of trade. And they're all like, that's weird. Like, there's no reason for pirates to go there. And then they realize, well it's been happening and there's been no like ransom or like demands or payout that they're asking for, which is what pirates do. And then one of the people who survives is like, they don't use pirate weapons. You know, they are dressed as pirates. They are Greeks dressed as pirates. And you find out that Andromon, one of the suitors, has decided he's going to force her hand into choosing someone by doing the raids and making sure that she chooses someone so that they can send an army and he's making sure that it's him he cho- that she chooses but he's behind it and they end up getting all of these women together and the women fight who are taught by a woman and this is where Artemis comes in even though she wasn't the patronage of the woman um but it's like all of these women are trained to fight and then they go fight them and they kill them and they expose Andromon, you know, and basically buys Penelope more time. She doesn't have to pick a suitor. But then Telemachus runs away to go find Odysseus. And we all know Odysseus comes back before Telemachus comes back. <laughs> but the whole thing is just about like Penelope's struggle to keep Ithaca going because they're broke and to 
stay true to her husband who she does love and who has always been good to her and to raise her son and keep him safe but also not to offend anyone and start a war it is a very difficult balance like it's ridiculous it's like she's tiptoeing on a tightrope disgusting could never be me <laughs> all right well that was intriguing i would probably read was the it? plot i would i would read the book based on the plot and based off of the things you've said that you liked about it other than the fact that you will not let me read it <laughs> i mean i obviously can't tell you you can't i just know that there are parts that would be so upsetting and no, yeah i know i know you know what i can and can't handle yeah and so i tr- i trust you to 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 know that and i, I, I read to you accept. the most important part of the book Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm good. I'm done now. <laughs> All right. Well, that was an emotional whirlwind. Tell me about Swashbucklers. Yeah, Swashbucklers. So Very different book. <laughs> yeah. Um, As a main theme, they're kind of similar. I'm not going to lie. Oh, my gosh. Not really, but kind oh. of. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the prompt, obviously, that we picked from for the uh, book challenge was one word titles. So I picked um Swashbucklers by Dan Hanks. I had had a different book picked out and then that didn't that didn't work out. So I found this on a list of like it, one word titled books or whatever. And I had actually picked a different one from the list and then was like scrolling through the rest of it just to see if there's anything else I might like and I saw this one and I <laughs> uh trigger warning in advance for like uh murder and there was um not a whole lot of like blood or gore or anything, but there were a couple parts that kind of made me queasy. However, take that with a grain of salt. I am um, very weak stomached. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot handle this. much. So, uh, but yeah, the beginning. So the plot of the book is basically um, this guy comes back uh, with his kid to his childhood hometown because something that he helped defeat with some friends when he was in high school is back and he knows he needs to defeat it again. Um, which I mean, <laughs> you say that and it's basically the plot of it. It sounds like, <laughs> which didn't make me mad. It's fine. Um, the differences here are that like, he remembered the whole time, every, like most of the stuff that happened. Um, the main chunk of it like the reason he needed to go back and stuff and also he was the only one that left town and he remembered whereas in it mike is the only one that stays in town and remembers everybody else leaves so he gets back and all of his friends that had helped that he had done this with don't remember they believe all the lies about um it being a gas leak and just like a giant like weeks long hallucination from the town um, also, this book is set in England, which I was not aware of until I had to Google um, what the heck a <laughs> a collared potato, I think is what it's called. Is. What? <laughs> um, yeah, a collared potato. It was one of the things I put a little sticky note for Lainey for if she read it. Yes. Okay. No, it's a jacket potato. What the fuck? A jacket can, potato. Can you tell us what a jacket potato is? It's a is? baked potato. Oh, that kind of makes sense. Well, yeah, when I started Googling, I went, I bet this thing is a fucking baked potato because especially it says uh, you ask for big or uh, jacket potatoes instead of mashed. And so I was kind of like, but it's a freaking baked potato. But still, it was about that time that I went, wait a minute, Uh, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) 
what the fuck is a jacket potato? <laughs> so I had to Google it. There was one other thing. There were a couple things like a set of toys at one point that I had to Google because I was like, I don't know what the hell that is. <laughs> so confusing. Anyway, so the guy comes back with his son and he has to try and convince his friends that everything that happened was real and they need to fight it again. Meanwhile, you know, he's struggling with like coming back to his childhood hometown and dealing with all of that and also, you know, trying to be as best a parent as he can because he's in the middle of a divorce and so he's trying to be there for his son. And it's, I mean, he's just kind of grappling in general with feeling like he's never grown up, um, which I really enjoyed. There were several times, especially I have a lot of notes in the beginning of the book because I was like, ooh very specific things made me think of it at one point they say you can't go back to childhood which was like a whole line for Andy Muschietti when he was doing it um and one that I've been kind of obsessed with obviously yeah based on a show that we are currently writing so the characters half reminded me of the characters from it the other half reminded me of the characters from the tv show we're writing and so oh, interesting. that's like I had a whole list. I was like, okay, these are the people that these characters remind me of. That is crazy that it's like the two mixed together, especially because it's like I have notes for the show we need to write in general <laughs> <laughs> that we'll go over at a different time. But so he has to convince them. But also he's trying to convince himself because there are a lot of parts of it that he doesn't remember. Mm -hmm. Like this talking fox comes in and he's like, <laughs> what, what the fuck? Yeah, a talking fox. And I guess they had been friends when he was little. What? And you find out later that him and his friends used to like go into this other realm and they, you know, met up with these other three kids who had helped to try and defeat Dead Man's Grin. That's the that's the ghost pirate's name. That's terrifying. His no, especially because it's written as Dead Man's Grin. Like, it's his grin. And so every single time I was reading Dead Man's Grin, I kept thinking they were talking about how his grin <laughs> was doing something. And I was very confused. What? Oh, I get what you're saying. Yes. It was very confusing to me. They did not give him a name. His name was Dead Man's Grin the entire time. Oh, that's terrifying, though. No, it's not. <laughs> Read the, the book. It's not it? terrifying. No, it's not. It's not terrifying. Literally... The the unfortunate part of this book was that there was not a single time. There was actually a point in time where I went, this guy is not scary. Oh, you he also just said the seems... same thing about Pennywise, though. That's true. I don't think Pennywise is scary, but in a different way. Mars scared of people, not things. <laughs> <laughs> this is very true. Um, I like Pennywise is scary because he preys on your worst fears. Yeah. And he can shapeshift into those or, you know, trick you into believing they're happening. This guy can't. He brings inanimate objects to life and the story is set during Christmas time. So really it's just a lot of like lawn ornaments <laughs> and penguins and angels. Why is he a pirate? If he brings things to life, he's a, like a demon ghost pirate. Okay. That's a lot of things to be. The That's ambitious. This book was ambitious. I oh. will say that. So anyway, um, so he goes through this whole thing and they have to try and defeat the pirate, yada, yada, yada. In the end, it, it worked out, but in a really, I don't know. So, <laughs> I mean, the whole plot of the book is just him like grappling with himself, basically. But even though it's supposed to be like about him, they kept switching points of view to oh. the other characters that like his other friends. Mm -hmm. Um but there was no consistency with who they switched to. 
They switched to Doc the most. Her name is Dorothy and I'm obsessed with her. And she and him, I guess, had been like the closest of the four friends when they were younger. And she dealt a lot with like having to forgive him for like just abandoning them, never saying anything for 32 years and then coming back like nothing had happened and being like, hey, I need you to remember all these horrible things that happened when we were kids. And now we have to go kill a pirate ghost again. Thank you. And on top of it, she has a kid with you kill a ghost. I don't want to talk about it. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> she has a kid with her wife and her wife is the sister of their other friend who has three daughters with his wife. And so I mean, it's just a lot of like family units. And I, the one good thing about it is that you don't stress about their children unless you read fan fiction <laughs> of which <laughs> I read plenty. Anyway, <laughs> What, some of those are my favorite fan fiction. I'm not going to lie. but And so I just... Ugh, I, I liked the book. I didn't like it as much as I wanted to like it. Because there were definitely times that I was... It tried too hard to be kind of deep almost. For what is essentially not really a deep... A book that would lend to being deep. And it kept honing in on the point like, oh... He's stuck in his past. He hasn't moved past childhood. and But they didn't do it in a way that was like, maybe he has trauma. Obviously, the guy has trauma. They never once said that, though. And they just made it seem like maybe because of this spell sort of situation, he actually like legitimately didn't grow up mentally or something like that, which is confusing. And I mean, like every chapter, you're reading a part about where they're like, you have to grow up. You have to grow up. You can't be doing this anymore. Yada, yada, yada. And it's like, we get, we get it. You don't have to say it so much, though. But then also it was trying to be kind of like a horror book and it wasn't really getting that either. And I. OK, so the beginning. So yes. <laughs> are you saying that they tried to do too many themes? I th- I think they tried to have too many like themes, like not even themes, but like genres almost going oh. on. So at the beginning, the beginning of the book is nicely set up. It's nicely paced. You know, I enjoyed reading about him coming back to town with his son and dealing with, you know, running into these people that he went to school with who, you know, he doesn't remember in a good light and they don't remember him in a good light, but they remember him, which is the unfortunate part. And then he runs into his friends and he's, you know, dealing with that. The pacing was nice at the beginning and at the end, but in the middle, it was really confused. Ghostbusters. It was Gremlins and Goonies meets Ghostbusters. Like That's Ghostbusters. what it was. I love Ghostbusters. Um, and so the middle was just confusing because like they finally start, the, his other friends start to finally believe that all of this happened. And their weapon of choice is basically a proton blaster. It's it's eight bit video game controllers that somehow one of them, the scientific one who is turned into a hot nerd dad later in life, as one does <laughs> when he was younger, had a lab like a lair because what? he was that kooky what, scientist, basically, I guess. And he learned how to take magic from the from the other worlds because there are multiple and he harnessed that power and put it into these 8-bit game controllers and then you load your favorite game in like the cartridge for your favorite game you load it in 
and that's the power you have Wait. that it wields. What? <laughs> and then it just works. That makes no sense. <laughs> it makes no sense. <laughs> and then... I know that, like, last so time we to... talked on the podcast, we were like, magic systems don't have to make 100% sense. They, they have make to make some of kind sense. of sense, guys. <laughs> um, and then, so, they, like, have this one big fight with these things, and then all of a sudden, it's, like, flashing forward over, like, weeks or a month or something like that, where it's like, oh, they do so many of these missions, and... They're tired of doing it by themselves and, you know, so they're like, oh, well, we'll contact somebody to try and get help. And it's just like, what is what's happening? Also, throughout the entire book, it kept mentioning the things they'd get up to when they were kids, like going to the other island where the other three kids were. And because at one point, um, Cisco is the main character. That's his name. He is dreaming and runs into one of the the girl, Amelia, who has aged along with them but is a hundred years older than them because she fought the pirate ghost a hundred years before but found a way to use the tunnels under her house to take him into another world and trap him so they did that then her and her brothers came back and the town thought they were loony so they left again to go to the other world and that's the world where Cisco and his friends would go visit them and then they would just spend like it it was almost like a fairy tale like they were just spending you know like eat like days with these kids and then they'd go home at night and it was fine and even Cisco didn't remember any of this part and this sounds like when you tell me about your dreams like it just has, <laughs> it felt it like a no dream sense. and I just feel like I'm like getting whiplash okay it gets worse because then they finally because then there's like this author whose mom was an author and was friends with the talking fox and there are rock giants and sprites and talking garden gnomes the garden gnome was fucking cute i'm not gonna lie and i was just so like nothing they tried to hit on so many things and like nothing was substantial enough for me to be like, oh, that's cool. So like the fox, apparently there are multiple of the like foxes have this whole thing where they're like so elusive and people have forgotten what the foxes are actu- actually are and they, you know, dip between the worlds and that's why we never see them. And I guess a lot of the times they like, you know, go and find kids who believe in magic and they take them on these adventures and that's how we get authors. And then they kept trying to like hint at different like fairy tales and books that we would know but i didn't really get any of them and then like th- like there wasn't a real connection there well the the well, like world hopping time lapse feels very narnia to me yeah and, okay so yes that and at one point they were in narnia wait what you can't just use at one point they world. were in wonderland what at one point i think they were at bram stoker's dracula this is the or castle it, it, they were at dracula's castle Call the police. Nine one one. I don't. <laughs> I don't freaking know. And so they, so they go to this author's house and they're like, "Hey, we need to get." They call. They called it the cobweb. The whole like network base of different worlds and realms was called the cobweb. At first, I was kind of cool. No, no. At, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> at first, I thought that there was like only a couple worlds. And then it turned out there were like just a va- like there were just like endless worlds. 
So they end up going through this portal that you find through an old stone with moss on it. And don't ask me why. And you walk through and then you're in fairy. Like legitimately they were in fairy. I don't like they like that. That's that where that's where they were. And then they took this wooden ele- Mind you, the entire time they have Cisco's son, whose name is George, by the way. This kid came at me with the name George, and I went. I could not stop myself from calling him Georgie. I was like, Are you freaking kidding me right now? <laughs> and I feel like it's one thing. Like imitation is the highest form of flattery. It's one thing to get inspiration from things, and it's another thing to just do it. Okay, I don't think that he was really doing... Like, at first I was like, oh, this is basically the plot of It, just, like, more modern. No. This no, was but it. I mean, like, using Wonderland and stuff like that? They were there for, like, two seconds. Anyway. Okay. And I feel like it was more of a, what if the adults from It had kids? Mm. And also a stronger network of people that also believed in everything. And none of them died. I don't know. Anyway, so they end up in fairy. They take this like wooden elevator up with them. They've got a kid who they never tell you what age this kid is. He's in elementary school, but then he seems like very, very much so like maybe a five-year-old. Like he couldn't be older than five. Well, kindergarten's elementary. Mm, this kid like ele- like like he's in an elementary school play with the other kids who are older. I don't know. Well, um, elementary school, you're like, what, ages five to nine? I don't know. Because that would be kindergarten through fourth? I don't well, know. Well, that would have been my kindergarten through fourth. Usually it's like he six really, to ten. I really was just, I did not know what his age was. He was a cute kid, though. Um, <laughs> but also kind of annoying. Like, his it's dad. Would, annoying. No, but his dad would be like, hey, you need to do that. And, like, it's obvious one of those things where he's, like, angry at his dad because yada, yada, whatever. And so his dad would ask him to do something and he wouldn't do it. But then Uncle Jake, the pe- they were staying with the, with the one of his old friends who's the hot mm-hmm. scientist. Um, whose Jimmy name Neutron. is Jake. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and, um,. And so, like, you have to imagine that there's some kind of contact because George knew these, knew Uncle Jake and Aunt Natalie and their kids. So, like, but the other, his, Jake's sister, Michelle, and her wife, Doc, and their daughter, Cecilia, did not know them, did not know George, and hadn't had contact with Cisco in 32 years. And apparently they knew his wife. And they never thought it would, like, their marriage would work. You never learn the wife's name. You don't know why they get a divorce other than she ran off with her gym trainer or something like that. And Cisco's fine with it. He doesn't care. Because he's always had this idea that there's someone else out there that he loved from when he was a child. But he's having this realization when he's meeting Doc. And then you find out that Doc is married and has a kid. And you're like, wait a minute, what? And there's no romantic relationship there. He actually had a crush on her wife, Michelle jake's older sister when they were younger there was a lot happening i am so lost anyway they get to fairy they ride up in this wooden elevator with the talking fox and a child whose age is unknown and (laughs) (laughs) whose age is unknown and she's like okay you have to go through this portal but you have to go quick you can't make like you because otherwise you'll end up in different places and you have to find where the pirate because the pirate you didn't kill him last time. You only separated his soul from his body. His body is in America because the government took it to do experiments on it. Because what? <laughs> what else would happen? His what? spirit. 
his spirit is stuck in his own personal purgatory, which ended up being like 16th century England well, that's or something like that. Purgatory. Right. <laughs> and so she's explaining all of this. The other three jump down and they're ready to go with their proton blaster, 8-bit remote control Game Boy things. Jesus and Christ. Cisco's holding his son. And he's like, well, I can't go. He chickens out. He doesn't go. Which, to be fair, everybody was angry at him. And I was like, he's got a he's kid He's got a child. He has spent this entire book thinking that he is putting himself before his child because he's trying to reclaim his childhood and the adventures that he had and, you know, the, the excitement of all of it. And he is putting his kid first by saying, I cannot do this because I have my kid. I do not trust him with the talking fox and fairy. Obviously. I wouldn't either. I wouldn't. Right. <laughs> no. Why did he take the kid with him? Especially because at one point the talking fox Tabitha was like, "Oh, those are Grindylows. If you let him, let your child get close to them, they'll eat him." And then a fairy bit Doc because she saved the fairy from gnomes that were trying to like grill her over a fire. Oh my god! Okay, question. You didn't <sighs> answer. What'd you ask? Why did he take his child? Because they couldn't. Because Natalie, find a babysitter? I guess Natalie <laughs> oh took her daughters to go shopping in Manchester for like a girl's day, I guess. I don't know. And then doc and Michelle left their daughter with Michelle's parents and whose dad, by the way. So her and Jake's dad was the police officer, like the police chief when everything happened 32 years before. And he knew that it wasn't a gas leak, led everybody to believe it was a gas leak and shipped the pirate's body off to the, to the government. I, and I don't get it. I don't either. And so he so he goes back and he has to climb through like a rabbit hole to get out and then natalie's pissed off because no one will tell her what's going on but she can tell something's happening because jake comes back covered in cuts and bruises because they're fighting in animate objects that are turned animate and trying to kill them and it it was just a lot and i just felt like they weren't finishing any points and then so the other three, while they were in the other realm or whatever realms, I guess they had to get to the castle because that's where they knew that the pirate was at. But every time they crossed a border in the land they were in, they went into a different land, but the, ca- and the castle changed, but the castle was still there. They were getting closer to the castle. Labyrinth. Yeah. Which by the way, they mentioned at one point and yeah, I remember you saying something about that, but they also mentioned stranger things and David Harbour's dad bod and that was another thing. They made a couple of like very specific references to current pop culture that I was kind of like, uh, it feels like you're adding that in because it's kind of in a similar theme of your book. And that's why you're saying it. It really had no bearing on anything, mm-hmm. which was kind of frustrating. Um, also, it was set pre or post COVID, which was <laughs> even more confusing because at one point doc and Michelle went out on a date and Michelle was so relaxed because the COVID restrictions had finally lifted. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? Oh my God. It's, I don't, I don't feel like we're far enough past COVID starting. For I have there to no be idea. books about it. I have no or idea. Books about it ending. Well, and this book came out in 2021. COVID happened in 20 COVID still happening. <laughs> it's whatever. COVID will never stop. <laughs> anyway, so they get to the castle where the pirate's ghost soul is at and they only have a couple of seconds to kill him or else, you know, everything bad's going to happen. Cisco, meanwhile, on Earth, I guess they were always on Earth. They were just in a, like a different plane. It's confusing. 
So Cisco's decided, well, I've got to do something. So in true Stranger Things season four fashion, he's like, while they're doing that, I'm going to go try and kill the body while they kill the soul. So that way I can help kind of. He gets to the science facility where they're kept, where the body is kept, finds that they've got all of these doors that lead to all sorts of different lands and realms trapped behind doors. So it's like Monsters, Inc. They're hanging doors in these little rooms that clearly lead to other worlds. And they've all got their little names on them, including the one where Amelia's at. And he can't remember that that's where Amelia's at. And he's in love with Amelia or whatever. And he gets down to the ba- to the bottom and the pirate ghost body is kept in a glass coffin. And he's sitting there thinking, I should just shoot it. I should just shoot it. And he's like, but there's something itching at the back of my mind. And then this like bodiless voice talks in his head and is like, Remember your promise to Amelia and her brothers. You were supposed to save them. And you can do that if you just turn the power off and release everything. Get them out and then kill the pirate guy. Obviously, it was the pirate guy talking to him. So he releases the power. The pirate guy comes out. Basically beats the shit out of him. I'm surprised he survived. And also, they must have buried the pirate guy with his knife. Or they put him in the glass coffin with his knife. And so Cisco's like, what fucking idiots? What? so I am so lost right now and at the same time that this is happening the other three in the other realm in purgatory are being trapped inside of a wall with their faces sticking out because they can't find it in like they are trying to like shoot their proton blaster thingies at the ghost pirate soul and they can't like physically bring themselves to do it because he's got control of their mind somehow. I don't know. So he sticks them in the wall. He flies off. At one point I have to assume his soul reconnected with his body. They never explain it, but it has to have happened. And the, his purgatory crumbles. So they're falling. Tabitha apparently finds them, brings them back home. Cisco comes back home miraculously. I don't know how he's alive. Everybody's angry at him because he abandoned them. And he's like, and he's feeling bad because he's like, I know I abandoned you guys. I got you into this. And like, yeah, on the one hand, he got you guys into this mess. And then he left you. On the other hand, he had his fucking kid with him. Shut right. up. None of you would have gone because you all ha- would have had your kids with you. Leave me alone. Leave him alone. It was so annoying. So <laughs> they're like, okay, we want one night of normalcy. So they go to the nativity Christmas play. That's not normal. That the kids are in. Oh, I'm sorry. That was so mean. Meanwhile, <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, apparently it's the tr- this tradition in their town to make Christmas scarecrows. What? Literally out of anything. They don't even have to resemble a scarecrow. It could literally be like a picture of a fruitcake. And they're like, that's my Christmas scarecrow. What? And then they put them on their yards. So they're driving to the... Oh, and Amelia's with them. Amelia did escape and her brothers ran off. Oh, because that was the... So, okay. So after he's fought the pirate dude's body, Amelia and her brothers come out. There's this really funny part where they're dragging him along and his pants are falling down and none of them want to pull up his pants. And they're like, honestly, who really cares? And then they're like, okay, no, but we should pull up his pants. It was kind of funny. And (laughs) I don't know. And then they get him to this cabin. The brothers run off to fight all the other monsters, fairy tale monsters that have lurked in the shadows that have come out through all the other doors, by the way, that are terrorizing the world. And the pirate guy rode off on a dragon. And him and Amelia, so Cisco and Amelia are in this cabin. 
and he's waking up from like a couple days worth of like just being out of it because he's basically dead and they're talking and he keeps flashing to this other cabin it's the same cabin but like it's homey and his son is there and he's with Amelia and they're slow dancing and he can hear George snoring from the other room while he's sleeping and they just feel content. He keeps flashing back and forth and I was just sitting there like, what the fuck is happening? And then they never explain it. They never explain why that happened except Amelia starts talking about a green witch and how she wished she could be the green witch. And then Tabitha makes mention about how, oh, hopefully we'll have a green, green witch soon, but then looks at Cisco really hard and it's like, what the fuck? Okay, so they go to this nativity play. Amelia's with them. They're about to watch this play. They're complaining about kids vomiting. And suddenly the lights go out for the play to start. And the kids, the lights on the stage come up. The kids come out. But you can see all the eyes of the scarecrows that they didn't realize were missing from people's yards in the windows behind. Because I guess it wasn't a stage. It was like some weird like makeshift stage. So the scarecrows break in, terrorizing all these families then this one asshole guy is like, oh my gosh, this is all fake. And Cisco punches him because he was about to say some very rude things to Doc. And I don't know. Eventually, Tabitha gets help from a bunch of other fairy tale creatures and they take care of the scarecrows. But the pirate conglomeration on his <laughs> dragon takes George oh and God. flies off. I started freaking out because I was like, not George, oh God. <laughs> the child (laughs) all i cared about so cisco's like oh fuck to the no and goes after him but he ends up getting beat like they all get beat up pretty badly and he's like basically dying and so and they have to have these runes to get through these the certain portal to the hub of the cobwebs of the cobweb so that way they can find the what did they call it? It was like an in-between state. Um, I don't know. The darkness is basically what they kept calling it, which is what was controlling the pirate. And he was doing its dirty work and he wanted to be set free. So he needed to get a sword in order to basically put it in a stone or give it to the darkness. And he also needed like a blood sacrifice. So they have these runes and they're running and they're fighting and (laughs) super funny. They come up on the pirate and George and George is talking about Fortnite (laughs) and the pirates like, shut the fuck up. And he looks at George, he looks at Cisco and he's like, why is this happening to me? Which is hilarious. And so he, like uh, they're fighting and yada, yada, yada. And they can't give him the sword, but then he gets the sword because Amelia pulls it out because she, oh, because he almost black. A lot happened, okay? So he gives them George back. Like, no questions asked. Doesn't even try and get the runes from them. Doesn't know that they have the sword. So he doesn't even know that he needs the he does need the runes. He gives them George back. He's like, ha, ha, ha. I'm going to watch you all die. He starts, he gets one of their proton blasters. Starts using that to shoot at them. So then a couple of them get pretty hurt. Amelia jumps in front of Cisco to keep him from getting hurt. And then Cisco is like, I know what I have to do, takes the runes and decides that because this is his mess and he's basically dying anyway and he needs to save his son, he's just going to take the pirate into 
the void. That's what they called it. The void, the void with him and get them stuck there, I guess with no way out. So he's basically like giving up being with his son. I start sobbing because he's like talking about how much he loves his son and how he wished he had been there for him. Yada, yada, yada emotional mess. So he gets stuck in this rock in like a pictograph with the, with the pirate guy. And they're just like, I guess that happened. They go back for like a week every day to see if he's still there or if he's somehow escaped and he hasn't. Um, the picture's still there. So George just basically lives with Jake and Natalie, who is now apparently fine with everything, despite there being no real resolution there and their kids. And they're celebrating Christmas. And then Doc and Jake start to disappear. Like slowly their bodies start to just kind of evaporate. And Doc goes, Oh, what is he getting us into now? Which is kind of funny. And then it goes to where Cisco is with the pirate conglomeration. And he, the, the, the details are a little fuzzy. I was also crying at this time. And basically the pirate guy was about to win and, Oh, but because Cisco's blood was opening up the door for the void, it was also seeping into all the other doors. Cause I guess at one point he had been used as a portal for hell. They kept talking about that, but then never explained it. And as most of the things were done in this book. And so he's opening all the other doors, but they were also timelines. They weren't just doors. So then he saw him as a kid before all this happened. And he went, I'm going to have to lose George and try and find him again, but I have to go back in time to before all this happened to try and reset it all. And that's why Cisco or why doc and Jake were evaporating because he was resetting time. So then I'm sobbing because he's giving up his child to go back in time and thinking, Oh, I can actually get my childhood back because that's what he's worried about. And then he gets to his, he gets there and he remembers everything, but then it slowly starts to fade. So he slowly starts to forget about his child. And, and then it ends. The book ends. I just sat there and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? First of all, explaining this book made my head hurt. You didn't explain shit. I'm confused. I want to cry. I never want to hear anything ever again. <laughs> I feel book. like it was a play-by-play, but yeah, I feel like I, I got nothing. I got nothing. I don't even know. That's what I'm saying. There were so many, like, tying in all the other fairy tales and stories would have been cool, especially if you connected it with, like, the foxes being this, like, eternal kind of world globetrotter situation who helped the writers. And, like, if you had tied that all together, that would have been nice. If you had just kept it in the horror genre with, like, a dead pirate guy. And also, at first I thought that this dead pirate guy was supposed to be, like, his worst fear. It wasn't. It was just a dead pirate guy the whole time. I don't know. It was just a dead pirate guy. I don't know how he came about either time. I don't know any of his plan. There's never actually a clue. You don't know. You don't know what his plan is. You just know he's trying to get people to die so he can get a sword and give it to the void and get free. But you don't know why any of this is happening, which is confusing. I can't even tell if you liked this book. I don't know if I liked it. I did, in fact, on Goodreads, rate it three stars because I didn't know. And I just, I had that thematically, there were just too many things happening. Like they didn't folk. They tried too hard to push 
the going back to childhood thing and like trying to be a good parent, but then never really resolved either of those issues. And it felt like none of the characters grew at all. They just kind of, which is the worst. I am a character driven person. And then he died. Like the the end was so unsatisfying. I was so pissed that I read this whole book. Do you think there's going to be a second? And I cried. I'm getting there. there? I read this whole book and I cried and then that happened. And I was like, are you serious? Are you freaking kidding me right now? What was the point? What was the point of putting myself through this? Through this freaking trauma, maybe that's why I was so distracted and wanted to take breaks yesterday because like nothing like nothing was connecting. There there are several things I'm forgetting that just don't like they're they're there. There are no they're loose ends. They're not tied up. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what was supposed to happen with any of those. Anyway, so then I'm like, there's got to be a second book. There's no freaking way. I get on Goodreads, the first review on Goodreads is something about how be warned it's set up for a sequel so if you're unsatisfied by the end that's why and i was like okay i don't think you should leave your readers unsatisfied at the end in order to make a sequel but fine whatever then i was like okay i gotta google it it's been it's been two years basically i'm gonna google it can't find it anywhere can't find any information i get back on goodreads i'm reading through more reviews someone asks something about a sequel to it and the author had commented and said, I think 45 days ago, 45 days ago (laughs) and said, I think I mentioned this somewhere else. Books have to do well at selling before they get greenlit for a sequel. And I went, Oh "Oh God, there go all my dreams. And then he went, but if you wanted to know a little bit about a sequel and where Cisco would end up, there was a hint to it in the rest of the book. I know exactly what they're talking about. The cabin where he was with Amelia and George and everything. Yeah. And he, I guess he's the green witch. I don't freaking know. But oh, like Amelia, he stole her dream. But like that's first of all, right? <laughs> that's all I got from you. What you told me. <laughs> Second of all, she is still a hundred years older than him. That's weird. Third, they kept calling it the William house. And what? like the tunnels were under the William house, her and her brothers, okay. um, Michael and John. And I went, is this fucking Peter, Peter Pan? Peter Pan. Even though there's a... No, it is Michael and John, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe it wasn't Michael and John in here. It might have been like Peter and John or Paul and John. Because, I don't know. They were distinctly biblical and then there was Amelia. Maybe Amelia is a biblical name. I don't know. And so there were tunnels under their house that led to the co- to the hub of the cobweb. But that was busted. And that's why the pirate conglomeration needed the runes to get through the moss rock. Okay, I, I'm over that. Yeah. Anyway, I don't understand it. So then I was just thinking about Nebol and Creel House, and <laughs> I was just like, this back to it. <laughs> I just, I have a headache. Like even, th- like just, I don't even. Yeah, I, I and like I like thinking about it. I'd read it again. It's like a, I would read it again. Okay, I was entertained enough to read it again, and also. For the most part, I liked the relationships between the people. They didn't really, like, none of the characters had that much depth to them. And they really could have gone more into it. Because a lot of the time with Doc especially, it was just like they only focused on her, like, being angry at Cisco for abandoning them. But also, like, she was happy he was back and she wasn't dealing with the anger. And I don't know. For the most part, it wasn't a horrible read. It was entertaining at the very least if you read it enough to understand what was happening. It does not sound like anything I would ever want to read right now. Like, like, <laughs> like I was so excited. You were, and too. I think it. I think that's where like my annoyance comes from. It. I was so excited. Like I was pumped. I thought this was gonna be the best book I ever read. And then I was like, 
What? I think my <laughs> expectations were too high. I wouldn't say I was horribly let down in the sense that it was like the worst book I've ever read. It was just more of a, it wasn't as well done as I was wanting it to be. And I ended up very confused. So I was a little like, oh, okay. Jesus. Anyway, if anybody wants to read it, Swashbucklers by Dan um, Haskins. Dan I, Hanks. Haskins. My brain hurts from everything you just told yeah, me. Yeah, so does mine. I am glad I went with the book I went with over that. Um, I, with Ithaca, I know I said that it was a book I wouldn't read again. But now that I'm done reading it, I'm like, you do this with literally everything it's the greek theme i love it it's the history theme i love it i know but there are several other books you could read if you want that i know and i will um i don't think that like there's maybe a book that i'll read like a long time from now now if i like have nothing else to do i would recommend it to a certain type of person and i would say it was still despite the things i had an issue with pretty well written and it was good. Like it, it really did tie up everything. There were a lot of plots. And congrats, a lot of, that's the like, one thing my book details. didn't do. And it, it did tie it all together. <sighs> uh, so it was, it was well thought out. Okay, that's good. And I did like it. I. It's funny that you would have rated Swashbucklers three stars, or that you did, when you aren't sure how you feel about it. And like I know how I feel about Ithaca. I would rate it three stars. Interesting. It was good. That's what the middle wasn't bad. That's what the middle's for. To be fair, I rated it three stars, and on a rating of ten, it's like a it's oh, like a okay. it's like a six, which is kind of in the same area, if not better than a three out of five. Um, I the thing is, I I did find it entertaining, and yeah. for the like, I would read it again, which is where most of the rating comes from. And there, you know, I still would like to read a sequel to see if they tie up all those loose ends and kind of make sense of everything that happened, because there was no real explanation of anything. The opposite of you don't need to know everything about your world building, obviously, and your magic system. And that's why I rated it that. And, and like, I would recommend it, but with, like, a grain of salt. It would be like a, I'm going to, like, I think, I thought it was a fun read, but just so you know, it's bonkers. It would be like, if you have extra time on your hand and you're bored and you just want something kind of fun. Right. It's, and, like, it, it makes you, I mean, like, I felt like i got a lot of great ideas from it well that's good which is nice and i do obviously and i i do love the theme of like you can't go back to childhood but like struggling with moving on it's the peter pan syndrome that (laughs) mom tells me i have also there's a face in this painting i'll point it out later i've been staring at it the whole time that's terrifying why would you point that out when it's right behind me it's like a fun face it's like an abstract kind of painting face I'm just really I entertained. I see exactly. What you're yeah, I see about. the chin okay. and the mouth and the big nose and then yeah, like the an eyebrow. Yep. And like there's just this one part where it's like a shadow where an eye would be, and then the rest yeah. of it's the hair. Oh my god! How the hell? Like, it's actually really pretty. I know. I'm obsessed. Okay. See, when you just point behind me and go, "There's a face in this painting." <laughs> that is so terrifying. I'm so sorry. That's not what I meant. <laughs> anyway, the book did start off with this giant rubber ducky murdering a dad while he tried to get to his sleeping baby. Yeah. I, why would you tell me that? I felt like that this was important. This book is not for me. I would have enjoyed <laughs> talking about it with dad. I, okay. I get that. I would have enjoyed <laughs> talking about mine with dad too. They appeal well, to his two very new? different sides. I, not very different, but like he liked fantasy, but he also liked like history. Kind yeah. Of stuff. So, um, we definitely each took one from Ooh, him. I guess we did. <laughs> uh, but 
I think it's funny that you were like, oh, they're kind of similar. No. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. That's what I was saying. We could not have read Different. more different books. <laughs> I'm just like, I mean, steeped in nostalgia with you know, parental issues and murder and pirates. Murder. It was the same. There were pirates in mine. Well, they were fake pirates. That's what I'm saying with pirates. I mean, yours wasn't really a pirate either. I don't know. His name was Dead Man's Grin. He didn't even, and like they kept to ca- talking about his tricorn hat. Do you know how long? What I, the fuck is a tricorn hat? A pirate hat. Do you know? Oh. Yeah, exactly. Do you know how long it took me to fucking realize that while I was reading this book? I mean, at least five-eighths of the book. I would have Googled it. <laughs> I'm surprised I didn't. I Googled everything else. I was just like, I don't know what the heck this is. I totally thought you were super into this book because while we were sitting on the couch and reading, you just like kept making notes and putting notes in it. And I was like, I am not annotating my book and I feel like I'm failing. Every single one of those notes has to do with either it or our TV show or oh. I was highlighting funny parts. Oh, because at one point, it was around the time that I re- realized they were British. Someone said, I can't believe you've done this. Can't believe you doing this. Exactly. So I highlighted it because it made me laugh, and then I highlighted the joke about um, David Bowie's uh, codpiece. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and the labyrinth, because that was funny, and also reference to the labyrinth is always a highlight in my mind. Right. And then yeah, most of the sticky notes. There were a couple lines I underlined because they were like specific references of not being able to go back to childhood that I really wanted to hone in on, and then sticky notes just of like. Oh, this is a thought for the TV show. This is a thought for the TV show. That's nice. So that's what that was about. Anyway, okay. so good to know that our first picks for this book challenge were subpar <laughs> at best. I don't want to say Ithaca was sub. It was good. That's it. it <laughs> Mine was great. entertaining. It was good. My, it was entertaining for people like me. Yeah, not me. I, I don't think it could. You would have been like, I don't understand who. It, no, you couldn't have gotten it. No. And not like I didn't I, even get mine. I don't think you could get it, but like you don't care enough about those things to try and get it. You would space out yeah, so that's fast. For sure. That's for sure. So I am sad. Okay, the very beginning, first two pages. There's a character named Dares, and I was like, love the name. He's terrible. He's a terrible little boy, and he dies on like the third page. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. I was like, God damn it! Murder <laughs> within the first few pages. Murder. Our books were the same. We read the same book. We <laughs> no, absolutely we fucking not. No, we definitely did. No, what you're talking about. Oh my god, can we talk about how? I know Odysseus loves his wife Penelope, and I know she loves him and all this great stuff. I forgot that he oh got god, stuck with Calypso and or Circe, whatever you want to call her, and was having this great affair. Um, and I texted Ragu was like, "You're my Odysseus," and then I remembered, and I was like, "No, you're not." <laughs> He was like, yeah, no. He FaceTimed you and all but, I heard was, so I'm Odysseus. <laughs> and I was yeah, like, oh, oh God, God, here we go. No, and then he was like, well, I like to say we're Bonnie and Clyde. And I was like, they're murderers. What? And he was like, well, And bank robbers. I know. What? I was like, no. So I was like, can we just be us? And he was like, I guess. <laughs> I guess. I <laughs> Not good enough. Jesus. Jesus Christ. Anyway, all right. Well, I mean, I hope you guys enjoyed the mess that was this. <laughs> Honestly, because if you could follow anything I said about my book, good like for- congrats. Tell me what I said because or what the book is about because I don't know. I can't. I forgot to l- tell you the plot of my book. I was That's just like true, talking about the things I did and did not like. Yours didn't have a plot. It felt like <laughs> it did, but it was like a two-second plot. It was everything and nothing. And then everything. <laughs> it was so confusing. Like I honestly like I am still grappling with all the things you said. Like at one point, 
No, I don't want to hear inflatable more. Santa becomes a murdering machine. I don't like that since we have an inflatable Santa gnome outside right now. Harold is deflated. He's okay. Deflatabouse. I knew you were going to say I it. I don't even know what he says. I don't know if it's deflatabouse, deflatamouse, whatever it is. I think it's deflatamouse. It's an opera? Yeah, it's an opera. Where is that from? Friends. Oh, yeah. They're just supposed to take Emily, but then Ross takes Emily. Emily's and then they go uncle. To Thank and you. there's a deer eating fruit from the orchard. There's a deer eating fruit from the orchard. We watch Friends too much. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> well, anyway. So, this was a wild Let ride. Let me know if any of you have, A, read Ithaca or Swashbucklers. And if you've read Swashbucklers, I'm sorry. Please explain it to um, me. And also, let me know if, like, either of them intrigued you enough to read. Or, like, like oh, give me a book recommendation based off of Ithaca or, like, that kind of genre historical fiction or, like, mythology Ooh, stuff. Give me books based off Swashbucklers because, like... If there are some that make more sense, I'd like that. Also, like, let us know if you liked our reviews slash breakdown of these books. Maybe we'll do more. We're definitely going to have one at the end of the month for our, our book, book club, club book book club of the our book club book of the month, which is <laughs> the Immortalists. Excited! Uh, once I finish Legends and Lattes, that's what I'll read. When I finish the Chronicles of Narnia, that's what I'm going to read. I only have two of those left, so our tastes are wild and varied. It's fine. yeah. Um, <laughs> our friend. Kenley, who's doing the book challenge with us, texted us yesterday and was like, oh, I've read so much of this book. I'm really liking it. And I was like, oh, we're doing a read-in, a read-a-thon. And she's like, oh, I miss doing those from when we were like kids in school and we would do that in class. And I was like, yeah. And she said, what are you reading? And I told her what it was and what it was about. And she was like, you're such a grown-up. And I was like, no, 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 no. Because at the same time, I'm reading Chronicles of Narnia and also my favorite book series is Percy Jackson. <laughs> so... Honestly, I was too busy fighting with the people in the gas station <laughs> you to be were. any, and also like juggling five thousand things. We're trying while trying to text you and her, and then you and mom back simultaneously. Oh, there was None so of it was happening. There was too on. much happening. I didn't get to talk to Kelly. Our mother called me today. Oh god! So I took you to work right spontaneously at a completely different time than we had planned because I was like, I need right. to get out of here because my job sucks. I don't know if you've gathered that. <laughs> um, and I went and got breakfast since it was like 10 <laughs> i was like well this is my lunch break you know 10 and i'm not off till four so i was sitting in the car my phone had five percent because i forgot to plug it in last night when i went to sleep so it had five percent i'm sitting here not doing anything on my phone while i eat which is boring as all hell i'm trying to be fast and all of a sudden I get a phone call and I'm like, oh my God, I bet, I bet it's Dave. Like, where the fuck are you? Even though it hasn't even been 30 minutes. It wasn't. It was mom. Facebook calling me. Oh God. And I was like. Why was she Facebook calling I you? I don't know because she hates me. She and I hates was me. like, hello, my phone has 5% and I'm trying to get back to work. And she was like, why do you work today? It's I Monday. Like, I work every Monday. She said, well, it's Tuesday. It's not Monday. I said, no, mom, it's Monday. And the amount of people that were confused by that. So confused. And then she was started crying. Oh, just God. burst into tears. I found another bald spot. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I was like, I'm really sorry. And I was like, I'm also really Our sorry that you're crying. I can't talk because my phone is going to die and I have to go to work. So she's like, okay. <laughs> just kept crying. And then texted me as if nothing had happened. <laughs> I was like, that what poor the woman. fuck? I don't know what made me think of that, but uh, I had to tell you that story. All right. Anyway. What made me think of that? I don't know. I don't know either. All right. Well, give us some book recommendations. Explain my book to me. 
I can't explain it to myself. I just want more book recommendations. Like, I know there's Cersei and I know there's Song of Achilles. And Ariadne. Aradne? A what? Isn't it Aradne? A-R-I-A-D-N-E. Ariadne. Tell us who's pronouncing it right, please. Neither of us. I guarantee fucking Almost 100% neither of us. Um, I just want to leave this with, guys. I Googled it the other day for Mara because Loki, she was a little convinced Achilles was a real person. Um, Shut up! Why would you tell everyone that? Oh, I'm so sorry. No, because I'm getting to... I told you Odysseus wasn't, and then I had to Google it because I was like, mm, he is based on a real person. Like, he may have actually been a person. So... You think know. about that when you're reading Ithaca and Odysseus. Yeah, guys, think about the fact that Odysseus might have been a real guy. Yeah. But it's Achilles cool. wasn't. The world sucks. Brings a little more history to the historical <laughs> fiction. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Uh, bye. bye. <laughs>